Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Going well? About three of you are. Praise God. Tough audience. Whew. Okay. Uh, just before I, I launch into the word this morning, um, Jane and I and the senior leadership want to pass on our condolences to Leon, uh, who's lovely Sinet went to be home with Jesus on Friday morning and uh, to your family our hearts go out to you and we love you and know that you're hurting uh, but we want you to know that if there's anything we can do to help you walk through this season we'll gladly do whatever we need to do so Father we just thank you for Leon and the family thank you Lord right now that we know that Sinet is rejoicing she is in heaven she is re- just dancing with her king her lord her god and that the things that she Uh, knew in her heart today are confirmed for her and we thank you for that but in the meantime lord there's grief there's hurt there's pain there's also a sense of rejoicing as well and i pray that uh, in this season your word would come through for leon and the family that you comfort those who mourn and i pray that they would feel the comfort of the holy spirit in this time in jesus wonderful name and everyone said Amen. amen amen Oh, Lord, bless the word too. Amen. (laughs) Cool. Well, this is part two of uh, uh, just a a little thing that I've I've got going on in my heart at the moment. Uh, I've been talking about that there's more to this invitation than actually meets the eye. Jesus, when he came to his disciples, he said to them, follow me. And I don't think that they had a clue about the implications of that invitation. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't, sometimes don't think that we have a clue about what that invitation means either. So uh, I'm just going to launch into the word this morning. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Matthew got up and followed Jesus. I've asked this question a couple of weeks ago. If someone came into your workspace and just came up to you and said, come follow me, as in the case of uh, Peter and, and Andrew and the, the other guys, he said, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. Or when he comes in to talk to, to Matthew, he says, come follow me. What would we do? What would our reaction be to Jesus coming into our workspace and saying, come follow me? Would we Hope that he goes away before he scares all the customers away? Would we hope that, you know, like he just goes away before he scares our friends and puts our friends off of uh, uh, any further friendship with us? What would we do? Would we be embarrassed? Would we call the police? What would our response be to a person comes in, just says, follow me? There's no like contract that he provides to them. There's no parameters around what he, they're going to experience as they do follow him. There's no promise of benefits or uh, holidays, annual leave uh, uh, stuff. There's, there's nothing that Jesus actually talks to these people about, but he simply says, follow me. What would we do if Jesus called us to follow him? And the answer to that question has already been answered by many of us here today. You've already living your life and have accepted the gift of eternal life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. What does your life look like in response to that decision today? What does saying yes to Jesus sound like, look like, or feel like for us? 
By now, you've come to realize perhaps that there's more to Jesus' invitation to follow him than first meets the eye. And that's what I love about God. There is always more to what he says to us than ever meets our eye. There is more to us, like Haley said today, when she was talking about receiving the, the offering and tithes today, there was more to her. There's more to us just simply giving of our tithes and our offerings on a Sunday because God has so much more in store for us. There's, he's stronger. He's bigger. He's wiser. He's full of patience. Praise God. He's full of patience. I don't know about you. I'm so glad he's patient with me. I'm really glad he's patient with you. Now, if he could just give me some of the patience that he's given to you for me. and oh, You know what I mean. He's full of grace. He's full of love. There's always more to God than meets our eye. I want to tell you that when Jesus came to Matthew, that Matthew's life changed forever when he got up from his tax collector's booth and he followed after Jesus. His life changed and it was never the same again. And I tell you right now that if you follow Jesus and you do what he asks you to do, your life will be so much different than you could ever have possibly imagined. You could never imagine what God's got ready for us. When Matthew got up from his table to follow Jesus, perhaps he didn't know the full extent of what was in that invitation, yet the consequences of his decision were that his life changed forever. Matthew was a Jew who was appointed by the Romans to be the area's tax collector. He collected the taxes from the citizens as well as the merchants that were all passing through town. Tax collectors were expected to take a commission on the taxes that they collected. But most of them overcharged and they kept the profits. Maybe you know someone like that. So tax collectors were actually hated by the Jews of the time because of their reputation for cheating and because of their support for Rome. So they were despised by the people of the day. And what's interesting is that we're not told that Matthew is any different. He's not the shining light, come to me, I'm the, the ridgy dig, uh, just honest you know, uh, tax collector of the town. It, there's nothing that says that like that in, in anywhere. There's no, nothing to suggest that Matthew is any different from all of the other tax collectors in uh, the, the, the region at that time. Here's the deal. No doubt Matthew had heard about this man called Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah it's highly likely that he's heard the stories and the talk around town about all that's happening as a result of Jesus and his ministry in town. So when Jesus calls Matthew to be one of his disciples, Matthew, who had a lucrative career at the very best at that time, he's making squidzillions. Okay? He's fleecing people like you wouldn't believe. And he's keeping the... He's, no, no qualms about it. This is a good, good wicket I'm, I'm on right now. He says, but then all of that changed when Jesus comes along to him and says to Matthew, Matthew, follow me, follow me. And when the disciples followed Jesus, I believe that they saw Jesus model three things. And I believe that those same three things apply to our lives today. Number one, following Jesus requires complete commitment. It requires complete commitment commitment. How many of us would rather take the escalator than the chairs, uh, the stairs? 
How many, show of hands, how many of us would rather take the escalator? Like, I'm not walking upstairs, I'm taking the, es- the, the moving stairs. Okay? Have you ever noticed how much our culture thrives on making things convenient? I mean, there's escalators for flat stuff. You go to the airport, you don't have to walk with your bags. There's a flat escalator. It's not going up at all. It's just going forward. This is for the really lazy ones. Okay? And I'll tell you, sometimes you do walk faster because everyone's like on the escalators and there's like... who. You ever seen the person that's scared to get off of the escalator right at the end, you know? (laughs) If you fall down the crack, you're dead. It swallows people whole. Sucked in down the vortex, that's it. How do you think you get spaghetti? (laughs) I don't know where I get this stuff, but... Some things are helpful, like a microwave that cooks food faster than an oven. Okay? Then there's some things that were never meant to be convenient, but we treat them like they can be. Okay? When it comes to relationships, especially followers of Jesus Christ, there's no easy button to push. There's no quick fix. There's no quick cook on how we get prepared and, and God prepares us in the oven of life. Loving God and loving others requires commitment and effort. It's going to cost us time, energy, money, and it's going to cost us resources. That kind of advertising to our world about the Christian life doesn't sell well in a culture that's constantly looking for the path of least resistance. But I've got to tell you right now that the path of least resistance isn't always the best choice. The Bible says in Matthew 7 verses 13 to 14, and this is Jesus saying it. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide that leads to the easy way, to the path of least resistance. That that door is wide open, baby. You can do whatever you want on that one, he says, and it leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Why? Because some people aren't willing to pay the price. There's a consequence. There's, there's a, a commitment, a complete commitment that's, uh, that's sometimes required of us as we walk this Christian life. In following Jesus, it's not about our convenience. God's doing something in our character. It's not about our comfort. It's about our character. I'm so glad Jesus didn't take the path of least resistance. He modeled the hard way and he chose the way of the cross. The ironic thing is that it's it's through no effort of our own that we are forgiven. We are saved only by grace through faith in Christ. That is the only way that you're going to make it to heaven today. Make no mistake, it wasn't convenience that saved us. It was commitment. Jesus modeled commitment for us. He didn't model convenience. Jesus is committed to you and I so much so that he is willing to die on a cross for us. And if we want to follow him, there is no handy gadget that will make it easier to do so. Perhaps we've come to realize that just as Jesus had a cross to bear, so do we. So do we. It says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 25, Then Jesus said to his disciples, 
These are the people that have made a decision and to follow, to follow Jesus and to commit their lives to him. So Jesus is talking to these disciples. If we've made the decision to follow after Jesus today, then we, this passage refers to us. He's talking to us today. He says, if anyone would come after me. In other words, if you're considering this, if you're thinking about it, okay, he says, this is for you. He says, you've got to deny yourself. He says, you've got to deny it. It's no longer about what you want anymore. Oh, you must mean the person sitting next to me. It's no longer about you anymore. He says, you've got to take up your cross. In other words, there's the cost to follow Jesus. He says, and follow me. In other words, we are invited to follow Jesus. Not a pastor or a leader. Not a philosophy. Or a method. But a person. And his name is Jesus. That's the only person we need to follow. Can I tell you, if I don't follow Jesus, don't follow me. Hello? That's good advice. If any leader isn't following Jesus, we shouldn't follow them. If any church is not following Jesus, then we shouldn't follow that church or even attend that church, if you ask me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will, will find it. In other words, give up your life and we'll find life in Christ. If you give up what you're wanting in, in life and put, take a hold of Christ and follow after Christ, God will give you a life that is far beyond anything you could ever think or imagine. You will do stuff you never thought possible. You will do things. You will say things. You'll be a part of something that's huge, massive in our world today. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. When we commit to something, we make a promise to do it. You know, I'm tired. I'm really, really tired of people saying stuff to me and then doing nothing about that. What happened to the old days where we could, you know, like, you know what, Steve? Uh, I'm going to uh, give you a cup of coffee straight after the service. I'm going to shake on that. Gentlemen's agreement. Yeah, I don't have to, to write out a 16-page document, a contract, to actually promise to, to fulfill the, the commitment to give him a cup of coffee straight after the service. I'm going to do that because my word is my bond. What I say is what I'm going to do. How about we get back to that, Christians? Yeah. I'm tired of hearing it from pastors. Enough I'm going to say about that. <laughs> it's going to take effort on our part, church. It's going to take effort on our part. Jesus calls us to the same level of commitment that he's shown and modeled for us. If we truly want an intimate, deep relationship with Christ, it's going to cost you nothing short of the rest of your life. That's great news right there. I praise God because you know what? His life is better than my life. And you know what? I want to follow him because he's going to do something with my life to make it worthwhile. I want to leave a legacy for my grandchildren and my children. I want to leave a legacy for my community to see that there is someone who's worth following and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the only hope for this world. 
If we seek convenience, we will fall short of God's best for us. Luke 14, 27 says, Whoever doesn't bear his own cross and come after me can't be my disciple. Jesus himself is saying, if you don't bear your cross, if you don't come after me, you cannot be my disciple because there's a cost that's involved. There's a commitment that you need to make and we need to make in following Christ. And it's got nothing to do with our convenience. There's a reason we call it committing our life to Christ. Jesus didn't die for our convenience. He died for our commitment that we might receive his free gift of righteousness and forgiveness and commit the rest of our lives to following him in obedience to his commands. And we do that because of all that he's done for us. It elicits, it pulls from me this love, this commitment that I want to give to God because of all that he's done for me. When the explorer Cortez, he landed in Mexico with around about 500 men. He did an incredibly wise thing. He actually burned the ships that they came to Mexico in. And his men realized that they must be committed to staying and to succeeding in Mexico because there was no turning back. Church, sometimes we've got to burn the ships that we got here on. We've got to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to pursue Christ. I'm going to follow after Christ and do whatever he asks me to do. I'm going to commit myself completely to Jesus Christ because he committed himself to me. He modeled something for me that's possible for me to do and to flow in. We've got to have that same type of commitment. No holding back, no turning back. Sadly, being a Christian, being married, being a friend has become some sort of temporary thing. If it doesn't work, we just walk away anyway. I didn't work for me. I tried, This tithing thing, you know, I tried that for a couple of weeks and I just went broke. You know, I just never got, God blessed me. Didn't, and there was no checks in the mail. No one arrived on my doorstep with a bag full of groceries because we couldn't eat that week or whatever, you know. Oh, we gave it a couple of weeks. That's not commitment. For Jane and I, our commitment, we, we're praying for breakthrough. We're fasting certain things in, in this season, in, in August. We're on prayer and fasting. We're, we're doing that. We're believing for a breakthrough. I've got to tell you, we've gone backwards. Stuff's come against us. But we're thinking, man, we must be going the right way because the enemy wants to stop us. Enemy wants to stop us. Well, we're not going to be stopped. We're going to continue to go forward. We're going to continue to, to do whatever God's asked us to do. How easy would it be for us? Oh, well, you know, we've gone backwards. Well, that's it. We'll give up. Yeah. Oh, no, that's it. I'm, I'm, we'll walk away now. That's how the world thinks. But we're not of the world. We're in the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Yeah. You okay with You know I love you, right? You, you, you know I love you. I care about you, right? This is why you're getting this. Many of us have responded to the invitation to follow Jesus. To follow means more than blindly following the leader or following the directions of a recipe. Okay? I looked up the different uses for the word follow. Here's a few. To go after, to pursue, to abide by, to be a devotee of. See, to be committed to something means that we stick with it. Through the good season and the bad season, through the, the fair weather, through the rough weather, 
through the health and the not health. See, in sickness and in health, we're going to stick by the people that we walk through life with. So many times we get frustrated when we mess up. We, we, can't, we get ashamed and embarrassed. We, sometimes we just want to give up because we feel this shame and this, and this embarrassment. But God's saying to us that following him requires commitment. And it means that whenever things go wrong, and, and sometimes they will, I've got to tell you, sometimes they will, to commit even more to follow him no matter what. He's the one that's going to get us out of this. He's the one that's going to lift us up. He's the one that's going to bring the breakthrough. He's the one that's going to, uh, to, to cause others to say, hey, you know what? I just feel like I need to give you a thousand bucks. What's your, your bank account details? I'm going to flick that across this week for you. You know, something, God's going to talk to people about you. He's the one that's going to come through. He's the breakthrough God. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God's called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. With God, there's, there's a press on power with God. There might be no quick fix button with God, but I tell you, there's a power button with God. It's called praise. It's called worship. It's called prayer. It's called reading the word. It's called being filled with the spirit. You want power in your life? Start to praise. Start to worship. Start to get on your, 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 your iPad. Oh, I'm getting excited. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Not only does following him require complete commitment, but here's the question. Why on earth would we commit ourselves so completely to God? Oh, I'm glad you've asked. I'll tell you now, there's a reward. Matthew 25, 23 says, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus, when we, we, we commit ourselves and completely go for him, he's the one that's, that welcomes us into his presence. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We press on. We, there's a reward coming. It says further, it says, You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. There's a joy that God has and experiences and expresses when we do what we commit to do. When we are completely committed to God, there's a faithfulness that's proven in our lives as we take up the cross of Christ. And I'll tell you right now, that the rewards, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Number two. And they say, praise God, you're number two. Halfway, three quarters, a third of the way. Following Jesus requires outright obedience. <clears throat> outright obedience. Ooh, get me started. When Jesus went to John the Baptist, John recognized who Jesus was and told Jesus that it should be him that was baptized by Jesus. However, Jesus knew that it was the Father's requirement that Jesus be baptized. So Jesus had to obey what the Father wanted. And when he did, there were some things that happened. Matthew 3.15 says, uh, and Jesus is responding to, to John the Baptist. He says, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize John. Sorry, John agreed to baptize Jesus. I want to just put it out here. that The next little bit here, I want to give 
uh, kudos to Pastor Steve McCracken for, because some of the stuff here is in his blog, uh, Believing in You. So rather than simply saying following Jesus requires our outright obedience, here's three things that happened to Jesus as he lived in outright obedience to God. And I believe that those same three things are things that can happen in our lives too as we live in outright obedience to God as well. Number one, so this is why we would do this. Living in outright obedience actually creates an open heaven over us. In Matthew three sixteen to 7 when he had been baptized, so he'd done what his father had required, Jesus came up out of, immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. See, there's a great connection between Jesus' obedience to his father and the open heaven that he experienced and he walked in. This is God's desire for us today. An open heaven signifies that there's no restrictions. There are no barriers between God and us. When we are obedient to God, we, have, we access this incredible open heaven that comes before us. An open heaven is about access to the spiritual and eternal realm where God exists. Okay? Jesus' act of obedience, okay, even when it seemed unnecessary to his sinlessness, resulted in an open heaven. Our obedience can do the same thing. Secondly, living in outright obedience opens our eyes to what the Holy Spirit is doing. It opens our eyes. Again, it says that when he'd been baptized, in other words, he'd done what the Father had said. Jesus come up out of the water. Behold, the heavens were open to him, And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. In other words, Jesus' act of obedience to his Father resulted not only in an open heaven, but it also re- uh, resulted in him being able to see what the Spirit of God was doing in that moment. And when we act in in obedience, complete obedience to what God is doing, we are also able to see that the the heavens are open and experience that, but we see what the Holy Spirit's doing. And we are called to be partners, co-heirs with Christ and and partnering together with what the Holy Spirit's doing. It's wonderful to hear and to see what the Holy Spirit's doing. But Jesus saw what the Spirit was doing and he was doing something wonderful in the life of Jesus. There's an open invitation and a holy calling for people walking in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and obedience to the Father to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Who wants to see what the Holy Spirit's doing? We want to partner together with that. That's just a a dumb question that I put out there because you know what? Everyone should be a part of that and wanting to do what God's doing. See, our obedience doesn't make us righteous. Only Jesus can do that. But our obedience does open heaven and it does release the Holy Spirit to be seen in our lives. Thirdly, living in outright obedience opens us up to hear God affirm who we are. It says in this same passage that as the Spirit of God descended upon uh, Jesus and alighted upon him, suddenly a voice from heaven comes and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus himself said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. So there's a tie-in between us, God affirming who we are and our, our obedience, our complete obedience, outright obedience. We can be saved but not walking as a friend of God. This doesn't mean that God doesn't love us or that his sacrifice was insufficient. That's not it at all. We've all likely had times when 
even though we are saved, even though we love God, that we live selfishly in a moment or even in a season. In these times, we might not hear the verbalized affirmation of the Father, even while he still calls us back to himself. The Father still speaks into and affirms our identity, even when our obedience is lacking. I am who I am, even if my life doesn't reflect it. Because I'm not righteous because of my acts. I'm righteous because of who Jesus is and what he's done. What a powerful truth. Identity over behavior. It's God's affirmation. It's connected to our identity and to, or, or to our obedience. Which is it? I think it's both. We can be a people who walk in friendship with God and obedience to his instructions. But we can also be a people who walk securely in our identity in him, even if we struggle in moments of disobedience. Luke 12 verse 48 says, Of whom much is given, much is required. It says, actually, of whom much is given, much is demanded. God asks outright obedience from us. God has a plan for our lives. And I don't think things happen accidentally. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Following him requires our absolute obedience. It's time for us to stop in our tracks and be obedient to the things that he's called us to be obedient in. His plan's better, church. His plan is better. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. In other words, look, Father, I don't want to go with my plan. I want to go with your plan. But you know, if there's a way to get around... No. The Father said, No, you've got to do this. Jesus was obedient even to the cross. He sacrificed. And that brings me to the third point. Following Jesus requires personal sacrifice. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. He followed his father's plan for his life, and that plan included him suffering a great deal for us. Jesus' priority in fulfilling that plan, is it, it, it was his father's plan. And similarly, our priority must be in fulfilling the plan of God for our lives. If we are completely committed to Jesus and living in outright obedience to Jesus, then we're going to find that we also have some personal sacrifices to make as well. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 11. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the Loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, by my behavior, the way that I live. He says, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that God, uh, from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. Oh, hang on. There's a little number here, oh, except for anyone who doesn't want to. That's right, okay. You don't have to share in sufferings if you don't want to, okay? That's a little footnote. 
It's footnote number 666. I'm not sure what that means, but... <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. If we are going to live in a place of personal sacrifice as we follow Jesus, it may mean that we don't get to do some of the things that we want to in life. See, being a true disciple or follower of Christ requires sacrifice. <clears throat> Talk to David. Not David. But David from the Bible. King David. He was willing to die on the battlefield for God's people as he faced Goliath. He put himself out there. Abraham was willing to give Isaac to God in outright obedience because God said to. God's call will require sacrifice, a sacrifice of some kind. And following Jesus will require sacrifices of our time, talents, giving, our relationships, and in every other area of our life. When God calls us to follow him in complete commitment, in outright obedience and personal sacrifice, do we do it? with as much abandon as Matthew, Peter, Andrew, James, and John? Do we get up from what we're doing, saying, that life is now behind me, and I'm going to follow Jesus? Do we have that same level of buy-in to the call to follow Jesus? Many times the decision to follow Christ requires difficult or painful choices. But there's more to this invitation than meets the eye. Mark chapter 10, verses 23 to 31 says this. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, those that were following him, he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and he said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. He says, We've given up everything for you to follow you, Lord Jesus. He said, Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake. In other words, because we followed Jesus with complete commitment, outright obedience and personal sacrifice, because we've done that, and he says, and also for the sake of the good news, we'll receive now, now and in the future a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. There is more to the invitation to follow Jesus than meets the eye. Let's stand.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit. I thank you for your word that has come into our lives and has brought illumination. The light of God has come because of your word. Your word always brings light. Your word also brings challenge. And Father, I pray for people today that they would move from convenience to commitment, that they would move from partial obedience to complete obedience. And that they would move from sacrificing their faith in following Jesus to actual personal sacrifice for Jesus. It's our turn to put stuff to death in our lives. That we may follow you with our whole heart, with all of our lives, with complete commitment. Because you are worth the sacrifice. You are worth the obedience. You are worth the commitment. Father, I thank you that you compel each and every one of us. You'd draw us, you'd woo us, you'd love us into the kingdom of God. Even further, to go on this incredible adventure of life in following you. And Lord, as we follow you, we will follow you into our communities. We will follow you into the schools, the shops. We'll follow you into our streets and our neighborhoods. We will follow you wherever you lead us because Lord, we're following you. And where you lead, we go. So I pray, Father, this morning that you'd bless and encourage every single person in their walk, that they would have the courage to have complete commitment, outright obedience, and to live with personal sacrifice in following you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. There's an uh, opportunity. We're going to just open up the front this morning. Um, there's a song that's going to come up on the, the screen uh, if you would like some prayer this morning, I'd encourage you to come out and uh, to receive prayer for whatever it is that you may want prayer for this morning. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to close the service. I pray that you have a great week. Uh, don't forget that this Saturday is the, uh, the Working Bee here at the church and also, um, yeah, just the Saturday is the Working Bee. And the seventh, uh, also this Saturday evening, pray for our youth as they head off to uh, Youth Alive. Uh, really looking for our kids to be impacted by the Spirit of God and for the Word of God to come alive in them and uh, just pray for protection over the, uh, the people that are uh, taking the kids up as well. So uh, have a great week. I pray that you've got something out. Thank you to Nolene for uh, the songs that she led and the power of her testimony and thanks to Adrian as well for the vulnerability that he led uh, around communion this morning. So let's just have the song and if you want prayer this morning, come out the front. We'd love to pray with you. Thank you. <laughs>